0: I think I have a project for us where we stop talking and actually start doing something. We'll do that. But we're gonna start with our chronological reading of the Bible. Let's talk about Joe on this week's Cory True Act Show. This is the best, thing, the best thing. I must say I am impressed with us. We're on week two of our resolution of starting the show with chronological Bible reading and we haven't missed a show yet. That's a two week streak. Two out of two. It's 100% not doing too badly here on the Corey act show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcast. Welcome to it. Amongst other things, I get to serve as the pastor for teaching at Beechwood Church in Greenville, South Carolina. We meet at 1030 on Sunday mornings. You are invited. I hope to be finishing up the Gospel of Mark series in the early part of this year. We're finishing up the Revelation series from our lead pastor, Doug. You're invited. We'd love to have you out any given Sunday morning at 10.30. I have a activism project for us. It's, it's one of the, the frustrations of doing talk is sometimes it's all we do, and there's a, a frustration of wanting to do something instead of talk. And I have an idea for that. We'll do that in segment number two. But here we are. Uh, In our chronological Bible reading, I want to start all 52 episodes of the show this year with reviewing something we would have read in the previous seven days if we were trying to read through the Bible chronologically as the events happened in history. uh, If we were trying to do that in 365 days. And if you would have done that, if you were working on that this week chronologically, you would have finished up, almost finished up Job. And so I want to walk you through... Some thoughts I have on the book of Job in just a minute. First, I realized I didn't make some corrections I wanted to make. Uh, Doug brought up our my, my big brother, but also our lead pastor. Both in a sermon and on the show recently, I said I was going through all the people that failed to replace Adam and how much we were longing for someone to replace Adam to to fulfill what needed to be fulfilled, and finally Jesus did it. And in both the sermon and in the show, I said, "And Noah, you know, he was promising, and then he got off the boat, and you know, had had relations with his daughters, and he that he reminded me that didn't happen. I was just wrong. I conflated the Lot story with the Noah story. They're very close to each other in Genesis, and so whoopsie, my bad. Don't uh, ever want to get Bible stuff wrong. So that correction. And then also after a discussion, I want to clarify something from last week." I said about Genesis that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth should be read as God created all the stuff up there and all the stuff down here. He Like the the stuff you see above you and then the stuff you see below you, just skies and dirt. And what I should have said is maybe we read it first that way, but not only that way. That Genesis is saying in the beginning God made all the stuff the terrestrial and the celestial, the seen and the unseen realms. The only unmade thing is God, and in the beginning, God made everything. A lot of the Bible can be read that way, and it means both things at the same time. So I think I overemphasized and just said, Genesis just means, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is in the beginning, God created stuff up there that you can see and stuff down here that you can see. And what I mean to say is, in the beginning, God created everything, seen and unseen, terrestrial and celestial because he is the only unmade thing. So two corrections I wanted to make, and now let's get going on Job. It's really an epic story. Some people I respect really question if it's even meant to be thought of as an historic figure. You may not know Job is an ancient book. You might even think it it could possibly be a concurrent story with Abraham if it is the story of an actual Person named Job who lived on the earth in that time. That's how old the story of Job is. In the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, it's put in the category of wisdom literature. So when you're looking for wisdom, you might go to Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Those are the obvious ones. But so is Job. Job is considered wisdom literature. He's not one of the prophets speaking to Israel, he's not one of the narratives or the law books talking about Israel. It's just a piece of wisdom. And probably a piece of history for us to glean information. If you're unfamiliar with the storyline, it goes like this. It actually it sets up like some of the, the like theater, it sets up like a play. It'd be very easy to to turn Job into a play because it just sets up with a guy named Job. He's righteous, he's blameless, he honors God and life's going well for him. Lots of kids, lots of cattle, lots of camels, lots of goats lots of wealth, he's got lots of servants, all kinds of good stuff going on for Job. Cut screen, and we are in the celestial, let's call it the celestial courtroom or the celestial kingdom room where God, the, the one God of all things, is meeting with lesser gods. Uh, let's go with godlike beings, but not like him. There's no one like him. And they're just talking about stuff, and one of the godlike beings is Satan, and Satan, the accuser of man, comes in. And God says, "What have you been doing?" And he says, "I've been going to and fro around, to and fro around the earth. I've just been down on this earth you made." And God, actually the one that brings it up, the one God of all things, says, "Well, have you considered Job and all the, all of his righteousness?" And Satan says, "Yeah, but you've given him much. If you took away any of that stuff, he'd curse you to your face." And so, for the original reader. What seems like a flippant, almost not sadistic, but let's go with flippant, flippant response. God says, "Okay, take it from him. Leave him alone. Leave his health alone. Leave his body, his life alone. But let's 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 play let's play that bet." And so it it is almost it, not the word is not humorous. It is uh, the way it's written is it it's compelling artistically that Job is just one day living his life, and one servant comes and says, "A uh, some band of, of rebels have come and just, you know, taken a lot of your animals. And while that servant is there, another one comes and says, another band of, of rebels has done this to your, I can't remember, it's, it's other animals. And then another one comes and says this about your fields or your, all your, your storehouses. And the final one says, there's a wind that has come, and all ten of your children, your seven sons, your three daughters, at least that's my memory, seven sons, three daughters, or eating together having a meal the the walls have fallen in and they have died you are left with nothing and even job says there that he's not going to curse god that he trusts god and that he's he's given much he's he's been he is the blesser of all things and so he might take from take from him in what as well the next scene he goes back to the court the the courtyard of god and god says back to satan see he didn't he didn't curse me. And so Satan says, let me have the power to curse him. And so next thing we know, we have Job sick, scraping boils, and his wife saying, curse God and die. And still Job will not relent. He says, my Redeemer lives. If God gives good gifts, he can take away those good gifts. And then here's really what Job is. From, from there, that's just the first, what, what I just gave you is the opening chapters. The vast majority of the book is an ancient uh, inter no, that's not that's not a good word for it it's an ancient interface with an ancient question humans have been asking for millennia why do bad things happen to seemingly good people why does suffering happen we still we are still on that today it's probably the most compelling question against Christianity the most often used question in Christianity in the western world why earthquakes why uh, why wildfires why cancer why why disease why war why would a god allow these things and this is the ancient response almost giving you what the ancients debated for themselves cuz they are not any different than us in that way they wanted to know why why calamity why would if there is a god why does he allow it And I want to have us, as this listenership and any of those people associated with me, I don't ever want us intimidated by this question. I actually want us to embrace it. I I don't know why, but let me admit of myself, I've never been intimidated by this question. I'm almost puzzled by why so, so many people find it compelling. I accept it. I accept that people find this a compelling argument. They cannot handle suffering in the world. I don't know if it's just deeply ingrained in me that the world is broken and it will not be made right in totality until Jesus returns, but I'm just never, ever surprised by bad stuff. I just expect bad things to happen because the world is broken. So I don't want to be intimidated by it. I want us to embrace it, even to the extent that right now, as uncomfortable as it might be, think about it. Think about it in your own life, the, the way that disease has ravaged you, your, your emotional life, your family. Maybe it was a natural disaster. It was a divorce. It was an emotional abandonment. But you think think on it now, the terrible thing you went through, and there is a time in it. I know I've had it where you ask why, why are why is this happening? And so then what happens is an interaction. Three friends come to Job and they give you the ancient answers for this. Really, the first. I would say two friends, the the thinking is, you must have sinned. Their, Their argument is, God is just, God is good, and if you are getting bad things, it must be because you have sinned. And Job pleads back with him, I'm innocent, I'm not being punished. Before God, I can tell you, I've lived upright. I am not being punished. Your explanation for evil, that God is just punishing me for something, its that's not the case. And that might be you. That might be us. When, when calamity comes, we ask, what did I do? Why are you punishing me? And to be sure, the Lord does chastise his children. But not all calamity in life, not all chaos, not all disintegration is punishment. There are other reasons for it. Job is proving this to us. He was an upright man, and yet all of this befell him. So he responds back, no, I'm innocent. And it allows friend number three to say, well, maybe, maybe suffering isn't punishment. Maybe it's a way to build character. It's a warning saying you don't want to get out of line because stuff like these kinds of calamities might befall you. Or, you know, you're only uh, consistent and disciplined in in these ways because it's easy. You've got to be ready for hard times. So maybe God sends bad times to get you ready for those things. Then Job responds. (laughs) This is so, so, sounds like me, sounds like us. I'm giving you a paraphrase. Job responds. We know what justice is. Good deserves good, and bad deserves bad. We know what justice is. But God just doesn't run the world according to justice. Just a couple of those, you'll find them in Job 27, two, where he says, The Almighty has made my soul bitter. There's this idea here, well, that's not justice. He he made me bitter. I didn't do anything. Over in Jeremiah 9, he says, "The uh, yeah, Let me find it. There it is. He says, he, this is Yahweh, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. Destroys us both. When disaster brings sudden death, this, Yah- this Yahweh, he mocks the calamity of the innocent. And then the earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of judges. If not he, if not our God, then who is doing these things? Job says in chapter 31, verse 35, Oh, if just anyone would hear me. There's an accusation here Job is making. Hey guys, it's not that I sinned and God is punishing us. It's not that, or punishing me for my sin and to his other friend. It's not that God is using this to build character. It's that we know what justice is and God just chooses not to be just. He chooses not to run the world justly. And then God comes on the scene. It's very much just the end of the book. It's the, the final few chapters where I would sum it up this way. Job, Corey, all of you asking why suffering comes, you don't have enough information to know what's right and what is just. Consider all you don't know. And some very compelling things, God says. Were you there when I spun the universe into existence? Are are you right now aware of every sheep everywhere and its grazing pattern? Are you aware right now of what every tree needs in its nutrients? Are you aware right now of what's spinning in outer space and what what asteroids are rolling around and what planets are being held in their orbits? Do you know any of that? Because I do. I was around for that. A lot of folks have made, have tried to make, like historic interpretations of, of God bringing up the behemoth and the Leviathan, these beasts in... Isaiah. But ultimately, in the literature, those are symbols for disorder and danger. And God is, is saying, I, I control disorder and danger. There, th- these, this world is not s- safe, but the fact that it's not safe is not sinful. I didn't do anything sinful by, making, by not making the world safe. And you don't have enough information to accuse me of these things. And therefore, when we walk away from Job, I just wrote down two takeaways. Just two takeaways as we walk away. If you've been doing chronological Bible reading this week, and if you haven't, then just something for you to know about Job. One, if you read it and read what Job says about God, I just read to you some of those, you will see Job gets very frustrated. And I hope that is really imminent to you. It's good for God to feel preeminent, above and big in all things. But he's also close. And he can absorb your honest frustrations. I think of when the disciples say to Jesus during the, the storm. You can find it, I think, in Gospel of Mark, chapter five. They almost accuse him. Do you even care that we're drowning? And Jesus doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't rebuke them. He just calms the storm. Your God, your King, Jesus. He can. He can absorb your frustration. You can be honest in prayer. You can express those emotions. And then you can trust. You can trust that God is God and you are not. That his ways are higher than your ways. That if parents that are good parents here are trying to do their best, know that he is doing even better. Leave you with a final illustration. It's that C.S. Lewis quote where he says, you know, when it comes to kids, you don't. He, the kid doesn't know what you're offering them when you offer a holiday or a vacation at the sea if they've never been to it. So they just play in their mud puddle and think they're having the best time of their life. That, that is our relationship to our God. Some of you are playing in mud puddles. You think your life is awesome. You think that relationship you shouldn't be in is great. You think that job that's actually surrounding you with all the wrong people is affirming. You think all your riches and wealth are good for your soul, and then that relationship gets taken from you, that job or that wealth, and you what you were actually playing in was a mud puddle. It was garbage, but you think it was the best, and your good father is sending you that suffering and calamity to give you better, if you will trust him, to give you something better later, giving you the holiday at the sea. That's Job in very much a short summation. When we return... I've got some activism for us, something I want you to do with me, and let me give you the theme. We got to do something about pornography. I've got some ideas. Let's do that when you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. The idea came in two waves. I will tell you about them both in just a second. Welcome back to the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me, your host, Corey Truax on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I hope that you will. You can also email the show at Corey Truax at gmail.com. Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. After this segment and this idea where I would like to band together in some sort of activism, I am hopeful you will email me there at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. We talk too much. That's what podcasting and cable TV and social media, all that stuff. It's just, just a lot of bloviating. Sometimes we want to turn those words towards the right people and actually make some change. Here are the two impetus. impetite. What's the plural of impetus? I don't know. The, the two things that catalyzed this process for me. one, I, at the beginning of the year, because I'm a, I'm not a news junkie, but I just I, I peruse the headlines for a few minutes every day, and there was a story about all the new laws that were starting this year, like state laws, not federal laws. Each individual state doing their own thing, and amongst the madness and the stupidity of like legalizing mushrooms in Colorado, uh, the, and other hallucin hallucinogenic drugs out west, there was some good things. I was blown away by one in Louisiana a Republican legislature and a Democratic governor signed into law a requirement that if anyone in their state is going to use the internet to view pornography, filth, smut, they have to verify their age. And of course at the at the outset everyone freaked out about that because how do you even do it? You know these apparently these porn websites have a little box you can check at the front that says you're 18. Just like we all check the box and say, I read the terms and you know the, the terms and conditions of this agreement. No, you didn't. None of us read anything. We just clicked the box. And so now if you want to access any kind of pr- pornography in that state, you're gonna have to make a copy of your license, I think one other document. You actually have to mail it off to the website you want to go to. So if you want to go to Pornhub like a loser, or you wanna to go to I actually don't know any other porn sites, you wanna to go to those things, you have to th- those websites are having to create policies or procedures whereby you get in these documents and then that's going to link to someone's IP address and that's where they're going to be able to use those those devices to view pornography as opposed to the situation where anybody can just go click it. So that was one. I was very encouraged. That's a great idea. Good to protect children. And at least take another shameful step if you're going to waste your life and live in the sin of consuming pornography, you should at least have to feel the shame of filling out a form. You should have to actually go print something off and fill out a form that says, I so deeply desire to watch other people have sex, I'm going to have to fill out this form and put my license on it. I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to sign my identity to this activity. Now, we already do that, right? For If you want to assign your name to alcohol, if you want to assign your name to tobacco, in some states, if you want to assign your name to certain kinds of drug use, you've got to establish your age. You've got to put your identity on what you're doing. You can't do it in the dark. This is the one vice we still allow to be done in the dark when we put it on online. It's, it's so unique. I'm already in the argument now, and I wish I wouldn't have because I wanted to give you that second story. I'll give it to you now. Then I saw in the New York Times a headline, three-quarters of teenagers have seen online pornography by age 17. Let me say it again from the New York Times. 75% of teenagers have seen online pornography by age 17. I hope every parent of a teenager, every parent of a child on this show or listening to this show just gasped and, and resolved to protect your children from pornography. Now back to the point I was on. It, with with alcohol and tobacco, I've made the argument many times. You have to go into a place. Now, there are delivery services now, but you do have to again establish your age. This was the one vice that you can do fully on the internet. You can't actually get the sensation of being buzzed by looking at anything on the internet. You can't, you know, you can't get the, the sensation whatever the sensation is of nicotine or tobacco, whichever one is more effective, by looking at a screen. This is the one drug pornography that you can just do on a screen and never have to interact with a human, and those days need to be over. So I'm going to ask you here in a little while to take some action, and I'll give you a template for it. A lot of my listenership is South Carolina. A lot isn't. But I want us to do it. There's no reason we can't. This is, on paper, a top five most conservative state in the country, on paper at least. We should be able to require... First, to require age verification. We don't want to end there, but we should be able to require age verification if anyone is going to see pornography in the state. Now, I I want to make a case here. I've already made the case that we have privileged pornography. We have privileged this filth. And that needs to stop. We have treated it differently than alcohol, tobacco, and other sins, other vices. And because of that, we have laid on ourselves an absolute crisis. It's kind of like a public health crisis. We already have all the evidence we need to show that what pornography does to the brain is not unlike drugs. The, the dopamine hit that we get, the addiction, the addict, addictive effect is very much real. You don't have all that much of a difference when we do the brain scans and we do the chemical testing. The dopamine effect, the addictive quality of pornography is not all that much different than certain types of drugs. But more than just it being addictive, and it is. We regulate addictive, sometimes make illegal addictive substances. But second, there is the neuroplasty. Your brain changes shapes as it learns things. I don't know that the person who coined the term it's like riding a bike knew how accurate they were they were when they coined that term you know we we say of some activities it's like riding a bike like I think of shooting free throws that way i was a pretty decent free throw shooter i play basketball one time a year now at my alumni game at the high school in you know, dribbling, crossover, driving, layups—they're not necessarily coming back to me. Certainly, long, long-distance shooting doesn't come back to me quickly, but free throw shooting comes back to me. I built a neuro pathway in my brain by doing a lot, where I I can remember how to do that fairly quickly. It's like riding a bike. If you haven't ridden a bike for years—I mean, literal years—but you learned to do it when you were a kid, you rode it when you were a teenager. If you get back on a bike, very quickly it comes back to you because you built a neuro pathway. You you didn't just download information. You very literally created a path in your brain. Think of it as a wrinkle in your brain. It's not really how it works, but think of it as a wrinkle in your brain. That's the riding a bike path. That's the shooting a free throw, free throw path. That's how you do it. And we know that when it comes to addictive activities, so wanting the feeling that the activity gives in addiction, we have created neuro pathways. For the sexual act, and we've done it in really demented ways, the things that we have exposed people to when it comes to their own sexual lives leaves them with a with an impediment. we will give you some stats here. P- polling men in the 50s, 60s, and 70s those for those three decades, the average man in his 20s, 30s, and 40s now has a lower sex rate. They're having less sex than men back then uh, of of the same ages that would have been those ages in those years. We have record high impotency rates, so needing drugs to even be sexually active. For even married couples, we have record high impotency rates, those drugs just being given out like candy now. This is before you get to the emotional damage that a, a partner looking at pornography does it it can wreck marriages it can wreck people but then it wrecks sex lives of even married couples long term together couples because of something called the super normal experience this uh, if you want information on this by the way i got all of this from fight the new drug fightthenewdrug.org it actually might be the acronym for the website f t n d f t n d fight the new drug fightthenewdrug.org they have i'm just quoting from them here they've done all the studies that because there's so much insane and, and crazy stuff on the internet we you know we used to live in a world where it was scandalous for a woman to show her shoulders or if her skirt came up past her knees and so the i what, the idea of a of a what what a man was looking for or could be excited by was a very low bar and what we have done to Again, seventy-five percent of teenagers' brains—we've wrecked their brains around sexuality and sex. We got to do something about that. It has now affected. The, we ha- we should do something about it just because it's sin and it's wrong and it's it's immoral. There's real world consequences to having a populace in in large part, not necessarily a majority, but in large part, addicted to pornography. So, a couple things. I want to point you towards one. At home, in the home, how about this? If you're listening to me and you watch porn, guys, listen or ladies, listen. Stop. Whatever you have to do, this is a this is a five alarm fire situation. What Jesus said: If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Hey, don't pluck out your eyes. But if you need to get rid of your iPhone, do it. It's not even that's not even hard. If it's you, the, the damage you are doing to yourself and to your family, to your spiritual well being, get rid of the iPhone. Do it now. If it's your iPad, I'm talking today. Stop listening to me. Go get rid of the iPad. Do it right this very second. If it is a privacy setting you have on a browser, if it's some kind of incognito thing, be charged up right now. Be motivated right now. Don't let the moment pass. Go do it now. Got to find a way to stop. Be open to accountability. Use Covenant Eyes. Look for that, Covenant Eyes. I think it's .com. Could be .org. CovenantEyes.com or .org for accountability. Tell somebody. Be open about it. Do not play with this. Don't mess around with it. This is a cut it off. You know there are there are some drugs or some, there's alcohol strategies sometimes when you're trying to come down with those addictions that you decrease your intake over time so that the body doesn't have big withdrawals. I understand that strategy. That is not one for pornography. Listen to me right now. If you are watching pornography, stop it today. Again, I mean this. Turn off the radio if it's Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Start working on it right now. Get rid of it, however it's happening in your life. Two, stop watching almost porn. I, I, the, the stuff I see sometimes on uh, previews on Netflix. So you, you open Netflix and it almost immediately shows you a preview for something. I don't know what to call a lot of that except almost porn. So, uh, one of the more formative things said in a sermon last year happened to be Squid Church when our lead pastor said that we need the discernment to not know right just right from wrong, but know right from almost right. So, don't just stop porn, but for the rest of us who sometimes take in too much media that can be almost porn, stop taking that in. What what what, what sacrifice is that? How hard is that? Well, whatever it, whatever the cost, it is way, way affordable compared to what it's doing to your soul, to your life, what it would do to your marriage. Get rid of it. So at home, let's get the porn and the almost porn out of our houses and do it post-haste. Now, out in the culture. Yeah, I want to do the age verification thing. I want to start there. But then, yeah, eventually, yeah, I want to move to it. I want to move to internet porn being banned Just no way to get to it. Yeah, I know the dark web will always be out there. There will always be a way, but we as a people just say we love our kids too much than to risk it. We are going to ban it outright. And you adults who are—I'm being a jerk here—but you adults who are such winners that you need to—you feel a need to pursue it. We're going. You're you're going to have. We're going to choose our kids. That's so a weakness. Of the of our of our culture, is policy making often chooses adults over children. And on the arguments I've seen, I've seen against this New Orleans law, that's most of the time what it is. It's it's a bunch of adults who want their pornography when they want it, how they want it, at the ease that they want it. And you are hearing someone argue to them, "Hey, but if we just do age verification, you can protect children," and they just don't care. But I want what I want. And that's what we've done in our autonomous, self-atomized world, where you are just accountable to you and only you, and you don't have to think about anybody else, that law and regulation that will protect children but inconvenience you, a bunch of adults, a bunch of porn-addicted adults, will choose themselves over protecting children. This is the easy first step is let's do age verification. And then, yeah, eventually, sure, I'd love to see internet pornography just go away altogether. And it's, it's it's a healthy society. Healthy societies choose to make policies as if their society is going to exist 100 years and 200 years and 300 years down the road. They don't make policies about whatever pleasure they can get right now. And if they have to sacrifice pleasure right now to make society more likely to be healthy 200 years from now, that's the decision that, that group of people make. And we've got to be that group of people. So here's what I'm t- saying to you. I have a template of what to send to legislatures. Or, excuse me, legislators. And I'm going to send it to my Pickens County, my Easley House Rep. I'm going to send it, send it to my senator that's going to link to the legislative language in Louisiana. How easy is that? They don't even have to to write a bill. They can copy and paste the Louisiana law and just pass it here in South Carolina. I want you to do that with me. If you email Show at gmail.com, Show at gmail.com, I will send you that template. I'll send you the link where you can find out who your state house rep is, who your state senator is, and just respectfully, kindly send that off. Like, hey, new, uh, the state of Louisiana did this. We think it's important to protect our kids. Let's start with the kids. Let's start there. And we'd like to see this passed in South Carolina. Let's go ahead and start that on the Corey Truack Show on his radio talk. Let's be the – Let's be part of the movement at least. Let's start trying to get that groundswell to say they did it, a Republican legislature did it, and a Democratic governor signed it. In one state, let's be the next state to protect our children by verifying age for the filth on the Internet. And once we do that, we can move on to the next step. So email me, CoreyTruackShow at gmail.com, CoreyTruackShow at gmail.com. I will get you all of the resources you need. I'll probably also post that out there on Facebook and Twitter in the coming days. Let's get it done. The legislative session actually just started. I'm talking... Uh, what day is it? It's Tuesday, January 10th. The legislative session started today. The, sta- the state legislature will meet until June. Why not? Why not start today and see if we can get it done? Right, we're way over time. When we come back, I think what I want to do is just run through a segment I just call headlines that interest me, just things I saw. Um, or I have a possibility I just recently watched with my wife, the documentary on Hillsong, and I, I do have some thoughts from there. So we'll start with that. When you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax show on his radio talk and wherever you find podcasts. I watched the Hillsong documentary all in one sitting with my wife on Saturday morning. I have some thoughts about it and I would love for you to watch it and give some feedback as well. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Welcome to the Corey Truax Show on his Radio Talk. And wherever you listen to podcasts, find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Look for me, Corey Truax. You can also find me at Corey Truax Show at gmail.com. Corey Show at gmail.com. When we aren't watching crime documentaries, that's a prime that's the primary source of entertainment in the Truax household. Is we watch Dateline. And various other murder shows. We're real big on murder in this house. But when we aren't doing that, we are watching uh, football, or in this case, a new documentary. She asked if we wanted. To, she asked if I wanted to watch the Hillsong documentary, and I was like, "Yeah, let's do that." And we did binge it. It's about four hours. It's four episodes. We found it on the uh, Discovery Plus, maybe, but it's. I think it's on several streaming services. And I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Hillsong Exposed. It's easy to find. They do a very good job of chronicling the problems with Hillsong Church out of Australia. And it's really, it's New York City chapter here with Carl Lentz, who is a serial adulterer and problems everywhere. It's at least, it's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon. There was a couple takeaways I had. One was about just judgment starting at the house of God. I think actually we, in a sermon from Sunday, Doug mentioned something like this at Beechwood Church, where the the witness of the Christian leader, the witness of the Christian pastor, can't can't be abuse. Can't be abuse of power or abuse of women or, uh, or, or misuse of funds. And much too often, the Popular or the high profile representatives of Christianity to this culture are those. They've abused humans, women, children, or their power, or misused funds. And so, as we look out on the world to say to it, stop abusing your women, your children, your power, misusing funds. We we got to be able to look back at ourselves and know we have been a purified movement that we've not al- we've not allowed it to happen. Oh, I'll give you an example of that. I saw this week there was a, a story out of Chicago of just how many students said that he had been sexually abused in just the Chicago system. So you, you think of the all the gigantic school systems out there. And you can't think that Chicago's system is is unique. I and mean, we've got hundreds of kids saying over the last decade or so that either by teachers or coaches or other students, they were sexually assaulted. Actually, I just now finally folded up. Uh, the report said there were a total of 470 allegations last year of any appropriate touching, sexual abuse. Uh, and that was in, oh, that was just actually one year. Um, And those are the more confirmed cases because there were 1,735 cases open, but 470 were confirmed. That's in one year in one school system. So I, I I get my my hackles up on that. I get angry at a system that victimized children, and then I do have to stop and go, hey, you know you you just came through dealing with that with your own beloved denomination. I actually I I love Southern Baptist life. I love the Southern Baptist Convention. And we we have been through four or five years now of dealing with the past and then preventing things like this in the future. You get you, you see this and you recognize if you're if you're a Catholic out there, you've had to deal with your own stuff. It's been across the spectrum, it seems, for a few decades institutionally, there was a blind eye turned to abuse and i think one of my big takeaways from that that documentary was we got to get our stuff straight and call people out and i think a lot of us you know a lot of us do the media let's call it ecosystem the christian media ecosystem is actually pretty aggressive about calling out the charlatans is pretty good about calling out doctrinal error i mean it's i'd have to look but the briefing with Al Mohler, I don't listen to it, but I know a lot of people who do, is one of the most listened-to Christian broadcasts there is. He'll call out some doctrinal error. And then one of the more growing movements that can Press with Doug Wilson, the James White guy, like there's plenty of media that calls out poor doctrine. It's going to be important in denominational life, in general Christian life, Christian media life, that we are quick to the tr- we are quicker to the trigger than we have been in the past about calling out behavior because uh, I, I don't like this phrase a lot but there is some truth to it uh, the the phrase is people will tell you who they are the idea here being when you get a notion about somebody when their behavior betrays a a particular uh, characteristic trust that trust that they're not being fake trust that they're actually exposing something about themselves. So like the Carl Lentz part of the Hillsong thing, it was really apparent that there was a level of of arrogance there that felt like he was above the law. There was some secrecy there. And so believe it. When you think when it feels like this guy's above things and there's he's t- trying to keep secrets, believe it. Believe that's the case. And those of us that have some access to you know some leaders, let's trust that instinct. Let's be open to accountability. And make sure that judgment is indeed beginning at the house of the Lord while also looking out at a world that does the wrong things and calling them out for it. You you call out sin where it is, but you'll have more credibility if you are willing to do that in your own house. All right, so I I highly encourage it. It was, if nothing else, quite interesting. And there was even some stuff I disagreed with, some critiques that I don't think are fair. But um, in general, if you're in a Hillsong church, can I highly encourage you to just get on out of it It's, uh, that's an apostate movement generally with its theology. Actually, when we were watching it, my wife, I still love saying it, said, I just don't think megachurches should exist. I don't think I could ever go to one. And I'm not quite there yet, especially depending on the definition of megachurch. I just know it's, it does seem like it's fraught. It's a fraught, hard thing to do to be this, this one giant church I think of guys who have the profile to have done it and chose not to, guys like Mark Dever, Matt Chandler. Those are the kind of leaders I think I think we need the character of it. All right, we got about seven minutes here. I'm going to give you what we're going to call the segment, headlines that interest me. Isn't that exciting? I'm a pretty good headline writer or segment segment titler with my big crew here at the Corey Truax Show, this army of one. We decided, we and that's me and the Holy Spirit decided to call the segment Headlines That Interest Me. Headline one U Haul growth, uh, uh, U Haul reports growth states. Texas, Florida topped the list again. So on January 3rd this year, U Haul put out their report for how many of our trucks and equipment were rented in one state and went to another. So it's tracking inbound and outbound. Um, Texas, Florida, and the Carolinas were the top four destinations. So, North Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina was fourth for U-Haul movements. By the way, South Carolina was not number four overall. Remember, there's other services that move people. Uh, but apparently, we are a U-Haul state. If you're moving to South Carolina, we attract the people that use their own truck and pack it up themselves. To which I say, welcome. You're the you're my kind of people. The top three states people moved out of. Of course, California, Illinois, New York were the top three there. And here's all I want to say about it. It it caught my eye because people are voting with with their feet, showing policy and thought that we think of as conservative in the United States. I would just argue those thoughts are the ones more closely, not perfectly, but more closely aligned with biblical reality, biblical truth, They create a better work environment and living environment, and people flock there. I'm actually kind of uh, surprised by how people, how open people are about that. I had it, I I can't give you the context because I think some of those are privileged contexts, have to do with work and stuff. But at least three people recently who moved from actually one from Colorado, one, I don't remember the other two, but they were in the Northeast just really openly said well our values just didn't match there and you could read between the lines like what they're saying but uh, what well, that person that moved from Colorado said they moved from California to Colorado to get away from the crazy and then had to move from Colorado and they came here to Greenville there is one two actually two two in particular w- were saying i'm i was leaving because they wanted me to get a vaccine and i don't want it and i knew in south carolina they would i'd be protected from even my employer wanted me to get it and, I mean, I, I, I'll leave that alone. But all I'm saying here is uh, it is a, some good sign of fighting for the, for the society, fighting for civilization to leave the places that are anti-civilization, anti-Western civilization, and coming to the places that are uh, more conducive to those ideas because those ideas lead to human flourishing. And that's what we love here. We love for humans to flourish. Uh, a few more. One the top 100 most viewed TV events came out from, uh, is not, the publishing is not there. Whoever published this is not there. But I love this. Of the top 25 things viewed in 2022, it was 92 or some kind of sportscast. And it looks like 75 were NFL games. Like, that's talk about the NFL's dominance. Of course, that's great for me. I love the NFL. It's why that league is kind of untouchable, it's where all the money is. And it also tells you how divided the viewership is for everything else. There's so many streaming services. We've created like subcultures in the country. That connective tissue that used to be entertainment is gone except for football. If you watch football, it is it's not even close like out of 100 most watched telecasts. Of course, Super Bowl was number 1 it was like 110 million people, but even the AFC and NFC championship games were in the top 5. And the the other things that the entire country watched were way down the list, but it was things like The State of the Union or of uh, when Zelensky apparently Zelensky's speech to Congress apparently made the top 100, it was near the bottom. But sports are that thing that still bring us together. For those of us that have an interest in having social cohesion and social fabric that should at least tell us something strategically, having sports to connect on is not a bad first step into a conversation with somebody. Two more that came across my screen. I was kind of encouraged by this one. From the New York Post uh 327 suspected crooks made up 30% of New York City's 22,000 shoplifting arrests last year. So we talk about the crime spike in our big cities. It's real. But this is sort of what I expected. It's a few hundred people, what oh, oh, here's a good way to say it. It's probably 15% of the people doing 85% of the crime. And then there is 85% of the people making up the other 15% of crime. It's a, a tiny group that is lawless, but the policy of these big cities is allowing for, even encouraging, repeat offenders. Like Even here in South Carolina, we're trying to do something now where if you're out on bail and you get arrested for something else, it's just automatic. You can't be eligible for another bail. Right now, they'll do that. Like, they'll do that with no-cost bail. You get arrested for shoplifting in New York City, they'll let you out hours later. You can get arrested the next day, they'll let you out again with a no-cost bail. I understand what they were trying to do with these bail reforms because they can put people in debt forever. I, I have some heart for that. But what we're actually finding in our crime statistics is that it's a tiny group of people that just need to be put away. Put them away and leave them there stop letting them out if you're a repeat offender stop letting people out and our cities will be much more safe so that should be in some ways encouraging because there's an easy policy to make it better I was going to give you one more story but I want to finish this way I'll come back next week with more chronological Bible reading and see what what kind of stories we can pull from Genesis it's one of the greatest works of antiquity incredible stories historical, literal stories we're going to come back with next week but I want to encourage you again, let's get age verification done in South Carolina when it comes to pornography. So let me encourage you. Email me, show at gmail.com, show at gmail.com. Let's get that done. I'll get you a template. I'll get you the tools you need to send that off. I'll be back with another new edition of The Corey Truack Show next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.